Welcome to AgriTalk Podcast with me, Philip Keitan. Today we'll be talking about avocado farming. And with me are two gentlemen. That is Alex Karani James, who is the director at Rural African Development Association and an agronomist by profession. Welcome, Alex. Thank you so much, Phil. The other gentleman is Kelvin Awaweru, who is also a consultant at the Rural African Development Association, an agronomist by profession as well. Welcome uh, to this podcast, Awaweru. Uh, Thank you so much. Let me start. Let's just go straight. Um, what is avocado farming, Alex? Uh, avocado farming uh, is a um, type of a cash crop and a food crop farming. Uh, which was uh, initiated in Kenya around the 19th century, in 1903. Mm -hmm. And we've been farming um, avocado, both indigenous avocados. Also, recently, we are moving towards uh, better varieties of avocados okay. in Kenya. Um, when you say you're a consultant at the, Africa, uh, the Rural African Development Association, um, what do you consult for them, especially when it comes to avocados? Uh, thank you so much for that question. Uh, to answer on that question, uh, uh, when it comes to consultants about agriculture, uh, about avocado farming, so what basically we do is rural African development. Association is uh, we try to seek the market for th for the farmers. But even before we go to the market, this production part, like we try to make sure that we get extension services for the farmers, so that they can grow the right varieties the right time um, with the right inputs and agro inputs for that case and basically it's just uh, to sum it up it's just extension services for production to marketing Alex how many varieties of avocado out there um, we have uh, several varieties of avocado but whatever we do grow in Kenya right now he has uh, we have has avocados we have pinkerton and we have wet and we have giant Giant is part of the house variety, but quite different. And but the most common grown variety right now, and at a high peak, is house avocados, and because it's really doing well in the country. Yep. Um, tell us a little bit why uh, the house avocado is uh, the favorite. I think the reason why the house avocado is the favorite right now is because its production is a bit high and it's fetching a good market value. However, I don't really mean um, it's the only variety which is being picked up high by the farmers because also a variety like the Pinkerton is also penetrating the market at a very high level okay. recently. But uh, part of it also, some farmers have this uh, tendency of trying to change uh, the, the type of avocado they are growing through grafting. So you realize that it's not only production of has avocado that comes through direct seedlings. Farmers who had farms which had the indigenous varieties are taking scions from different varieties of hass and also the pinkerton and grafting them and then they end up having the hass varieties. Yeah. Um, what is the advantages of uh, of the grafting? Uh, one, the advantages of the grafting is uh, production, increase of production, and also pest and disease controls. Because you realize that the indigenous uh, varieties of avocados have a root, have, have their rootstock is quite resistant to several diseases. Other knows we have the root knot and everything, but their production is a bit low. But if you see the other varieties, the modern varieties, I would say, are good in production. So when you graft the two varieties, at the end of the day, you realize that you've uh, hit two birds to one stone, 
whereby you have a high production rate and also the control of diseases and best. Now let's say I want to start uh, uh, avocado farming. Mm -hmm. um, what do I need to have in mind? What do I need to consider before even starting? Oh, well, to farming, we have the very basic thing. Farming is just like any other business. You need capital, uh, depending on the size of the land that you want to farm in. And also you need land, to be precise. Uh, before we proceed to go into the other factors like market and everything else, you also need uh, to check other factors of production like water and also the, how you'll try and control uh, diseases and everything else. But the very first thing you need to have is land and a startup capital. Uh, yes. uh, it seems you do you 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 talk to farmers more. Yeah. Uh, in terms of uh, extension services, exactly. which is a very important aspect when it comes to farming. What are some of the issues that you get from them, especially from or questions that you uh, mostly en encounter when you go to meet the farmers, especially the new farmers? Um. Well, I would tackle that question in two aspects, and it's both production and marketing. But when we go to the farmers back in the villages, because most of our farming in Kenya is done in small scale, you find that, and it's done in individual farmers, very, far, very few farmers have organized them in organization to cap the market. So when it comes to production, I think most farmers, what they are, they are really question and concern is where to get the agro inputs, right? Like the fertilizers, the chemicals, Alex talked about the, the diseases, right? So you find that these farmers, they don't get the right information on the right agro inputs to, to put because uh, we don't have extension services like to reach out to the farmers to get this thing. Uh, when it comes to marketing, you find that uh, farmers, very few farmers ex export the avocados directly to foreign markets. Uh, a re a research recently showed that only 300 farmers have acquired the global certification, the global gap certification for, for export, which means that these are very low number countrywide compared to the, the, number, the number of farmers they produce. So we find that uh, if only we get the, we increase the extension services so that the farmers get the knowledge about the export and the market and the global gap certification, which is a very key um, element in avocado export. Therefore, we increase export and the money that comes in from avocado business. From what you what you just mentioned is um, getting that uh, the biggest problem is sometimes getting information mm. on some of these things. So, where do you think farmers can get information? Like me, if I want to start avocado farming, is there a place I can go to and get information uh, about uh, avocado farming? All these uh, procedures that I need the certification process. Where do I get all this information? Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, first of all, the information is uh, available in the research organization. And the number one research organization in Kenya is CARO, Kenya Agricultural Research and Livestock Organization. Um, to add on that, there are other organizations that are coming up. They've been there but are coming up in a very good way. One is HDC, which is Horticultural Development uh, Corporation and FPIC, which is Fresh Produce Export Africa, Kenya. Know, know the right name. Uh, so you find that these organizations they are there and 
So uh, it's just about farmers reaching out to them and getting the extension services. Okay. Alex, let me come back to you. Mm -hmm. um, so he has told us what the things, the challenges farmers are going and what are the requirements needed mm -hmm. uh, to have a, success, um, a successful avocado farming business. business. Yes. So let's go back to the basics. Where do we get these siblings in the first place? If I'm new in this field, I don't know anything about this. Mm -hmm. Where do I start from in terms of getting clean, uh, free from pest avocado or disease uh, avocado seedlings? Um, that's a good question. Uh, what I would say is, uh, one, when you have the right information, you don't even need to go and seek for seedlings. Mm -hmm. Because, well, how to get an avocado as a plant, you can start it by yourself. You can do uh, what we call a seed multiplication at your own farm, where you get a donary avocado fruit and then you produce, uh, you, you take it to the process, you just need to sanitize it, where we do sanitization using the uh, around 50, less than 50 degrees Celsius of water and then you plant the seedling. But if that becomes a complex process, we have certified nurseries by Kefis and we have um, a, a good example to tell you is Kakuzi. Kakuzi are good producers of seedlings, avocados. And by going to there, we also have, uh, go going to there, you can access good seedlings. And we also have um, what we call the Katie and Mavuno. They are, they are avocado export uh, farms, but a uh, business, sorry. But they also have the section of seedling multiplication and this can be accessible to farmers. Well, also we also have um, consultancy companies who can guide you into getting into the business by seeking a supply for you of clean materials. Mm -hmm. And another thing I'm telling farmers, if you have an avocado like tree at your place, you don't really need to cut it down and plant a new avocado tree. We have a section of grafting, I'm saying, which is really important. You only need to get to a farmer who is producing a certain variety, get the science and go back to your indigenous tree, cut it and graft it. And with that, you'll have a really good clean material. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what is the planting process? Oh, well, the planting process of an avocado starts with basically from the farm where you have to do the tillage. And then you have to be really critical on the sizing of whatever you're planting. You have to dig a hole which is a two by two we call it two by two by two feet and then you scoop um, the first hole towards as you get you have to separate between um, the topsoil and the uh, say after you go the first one feet and towards downward you have to separate the topsoil and the other a bit stuck soil because after that you will need not to fill back again the other top the second lower soil you put it aside and then you wait this way now you have dug the holes the measurements two by two by two but then you have to distance it around seven by seven feet from the next lateral to prevent intertwining of the trees after they grow up so after digging the hole you have your seedling wherever you got it from and you have to be really careful when you're removing the seedlings from um, the bug because you have to be careful of the roots sometimes you might say uh, realize that with time the roots are really grown and you have to cut them to the right sizing into the hole and then uh, after that you have to take what we call a manure farmyard manure and you can mix this well with the soil which was the top layer soil and then you add it 
into the hole after you planted. After that, you have to consider watering of the plant. And now you can, depending on the varieties, pruning depends on the variety that you're planting. You realize that pruning of a fruit like the giant variety, because giant variety takes a long time to grow, to give you the maximum production, it can go from three years to five years, but the house variety is really good because within the second year you get in the first fruits and the pink cotton is the best because within the 10 month of growth you've already started harvesting your first fruit so that's the most basic thing the spacing with lateral um the planting and there's another thing the farmers are really ma making a mistake around when they are planting you realize that the regions that plant plant avocado are, are a little bit windy mm -hmm. so when you plant and you leave your young seedling without some support, you can take a local stick and tie it to, to ensure that the young seedling is at an upright position. Yep. Okay. Um, you've talked about the, um, the planting process, mm -hmm. uh, the input that is manure. Mm -hmm. Do I, uh, or is fertilizer important or can manure is just enough? Well, we consider uh, when the seedling is young, I would prefer we have, uh, you start it with manure, but you can add a double phosphate fertilizer. So that the reason why we really trying to ensure manure is well, the first kind of a thing you add to the plant is because it has more components and nutrients. And again, we are trying to raise a fruit which is a little bit organic produced. And you realize the more you focus on high level of fertilizers, you might tend to to cause a higher residual level as the plant grows up. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, let me come back to you. Um, of late, we've been having this uh, campaign of encouraging farmers to do farming as a business, agribusiness. And that has been the word that's being, be being used. As you uh, talk to the farmers all the time, the new farmers, uh, how do you advise them to while they are joining uh, uh, the avocado farming community to look at it as a farming venture. And uh, when it comes to, yes, as a, as, a, as a farming venture, what are some of the issues they need to put in mind? Or how many seedlings does one have to start with that at the end of the day will make economic sense? Well, thank you, Philip. That's a very good question. Um, I think the question in place is, uh, why choose avocado business over other ventures? Yes. Um, uh, our farmers uh, have really, uh, they've invested so many years in other crops like coffee, tea, for instance, where I come from, my, f my parents are farmers. Uh, and so, but we find that the conversation is shifting from those cash crops to avocado. And uh, I think uh, to bend the question is, uh, Avocado business in the recent years have really has really picked uh, a lot of income from the foreign uh, countries, and we find that, for instance, in the last uh, quarter, avocado gained four billion Kenya shillings, which means the, there is market for avocado. Because hmm. I think the question farmers ask: if I venture in avocado business, where will I get the market? Right. So we find that um, uh, probably. The new farmers want to get in the business. They are wondering how many seedlings to start with, where, how to go about it, and where is the market. I would say you don't have to start big. You start small. You can start with like 200 to 500 seedlings in your small piece of land. Um, but now the question which comes into place is 
how do I remove my previous crop, probably coffee or tea, to plant avocado, right? And um, so when we talk to farmers, we advise them that you can do it in bits. Like you can just take your piece of land, which has other crops, plant a few seedlings of avocado this year. It will take you like three to five years to get the production, to get the, the first uh, harvesting. Mm -hmm. And so you can do it in bits. Divide your land, start with 200 seedlings, then in the next years, increase bit by bit. But I want to assure our farmers that the market is there. Like my friend said, the organization which are really grouping farmers and helping them in export, like Akuzi, which is doing a very incredible job. And so farmers want to start the business. Uh, I would encourage them to get into business because a good business and there's money in avocado farm. You've talked about coffee and tea. Uh, which for a long time have been cash crops, especially in part of central Kenya and a little bit of the rift. Right. Isn't it possible to intercrop the two, especially coffee and the avocados? Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, it, it's very possible to to intercrop the two, but he, here comes the question. Uh, the reason why it's not quite advisable to intercrop avocado with coffee or any other is because of the pests and diseases. Because when we plant avocados, we want to plant them in a in a very spacious land. He talked about the spacing, which is a, mostly it's a six to seven, up to ten centimeters, a squ square centimeters, which tells you that these avocado trees they require space, right? So when you intercrop avocado with other crops, you have a problem with diseases and pests. And also when it comes to husbandry practices, like when to prune, when to want to um, do irrigation, especially by overhead sprinklers, and when you want to harvest possibly. So you find that it's advisable to just plant avocados in a, in its own land, if that makes sense. Hey, Alex, mm -hmm. um, so uh, after I've planted my, uh, I know you've talked, you've earlier talked about pruning. Mm. What other uh, crop husbandry do I need to hold within those three years and really need to follow to make sure that I uh, have a, a very healthy crop uh, by the time they, they're bearing fruit? Uh, mostly the losses that come with avocado production which I, we account to around 30% is because of pests and diseases. Okay. It's a really critical point. And, and we said uh, now uh, most of the farmers are trying to venture into avocado with a smart way of control of pest of diseases. Uh, we have an example, a time we visited uh, Moranga and we found a farmer who had planted pepper, the red pepper that we eat. Uh, we didn't have the scientific knowledge why, but it really sparked our mind and we asked the farmer why he's trying to plant a lot of peppers in the avocado farm. And we realized that peppers produce a repellent that uh, tries and limits the fruit flies from attacking the avocado. This is a, a way that we didn't really think it could be something big, but the farmer with the practice, you realize he's saving almost 10% of his produce from pest. So um, control of pest, like we said, is really an important aspect and the most important, however, I would say, because avocado doesn't really need a lot of agronomic practices. As long as you're able to um, ensure there is a good... Uh, water into the plant and also like i said addition of nutrients another part of it is a uh, pruning of the 
branches to ensure that there is no intertwining because avocado always li likes uh, a lot of lighting into it. So if you've crowd and shadow the plant, you realize that you really lose uh, some of the harvest. And also a critical point is during the harvesting too, you have to check how how you're doing it because the more you bruise the um, avocado skin, the more you exposing it into more like disease and pest attack. Okay. Yeah. So as an um the association that uh, the rural african development association mm -hmm. do you also train farmers on some of those things especially uh when harvesting that they need to protect uh, what they need to do to ensure that the fruit they are, they are harvesting meets the market standard yeah actually uh part of our business really is to check how how farm farming livelihood are at rural levels we're not in for business because part of how we came up with this organization is like uh, we when we left school in the University of Nairobi, we went to Israel for training and we realized that what farmers lack in Africa and in our rural areas is the knowledge. And by impacting knowledge, I say like you don't lose nothing by lighting another candle. So this is why we took an initiative to go into farmers. We might realize that it's not really if you would pay ask a farmer to pay up for your knowledge to really cost you a lot mm -hmm. but when it doesn't pay you to it doesn't you don't lose nothing by giving the knowledge to the farmer because it's your community it's your growth and in the future it's the people that benefit at uh, with whatever you're telling them so much of it like you're saying we might even realize that an area has um is trying to venture into something not only avocado but now because we are on avocado that's where we are putting we are setting a lot of food into and we try to educate them more, more even not only in the production, like he said, even in the finances. You might realize that women in who are having a little bit of businesses around there in rural areas also need the financial knowledge into that. Mm -hmm. uh, well, now let's talk about the market a little bit. Um, we've had this uh, regulation and rules that govern the export of avocados. How easy or how tough are these rules? And as a country, are we able to help or our farmers able to meet this uh, tough roads? Um, like you said, um, the major challenge to export of avocados, it's the certification or the standards. And I gave you an example. The greatest, the greatest uh, certification is the Global Gap certification, which is across the, the world. Uh, so you find that getting this certification is a great challenge to farmers because like I said, most farmers in the villages are small-scale farmers and when it comes to acquiring the certification, that's a problem. But now there are organizations which are helping farmers, grouping them together, like a few farmers, they form an organization, then they register. Okay. Uh, the, like I said, the, re the previous research has shown that only 300 farmers have gotten the global certification which tells you there is a gap that needs to be filled when it comes to that. Um, so you find that uh, most countries, they don't adhere with the, the global gap certification. And I'll give you an example of the country, United States. That's why you find that most of our produce, most of our avocado produce go to Europe and Middle East market because it's easy to get the certification and the audit from these countries. Uh, but like my friend said, uh, if only farmers get the right knowledge and information about uh, all this and how they can group themselves together, because it's easier to get the certification and the standards when they're in 
organized in groups, then we can move the conversation forward. Okay. Um, talking of, uh, we want to add something. Yeah, I want to add something. I think there is um, in 2019, there was a conversation around Chinese market. And it's a big question. People didn't know what yeah, went. That's what well, that would <laughs> be my next question. Yeah, we went well with the Beijing market because it was a really big open market, which could have absorbed around forty percent of our produce. But then, people, if you ask people, do we really export avocados to China? The answer is little. We do. Why? The standard they did put for the avocado business. You realize that the standard put. Farmers have no capacity to meet those standards. Mm -hmm. The Beijing market requires us to first freeze the avocado after thinning to negative 30 degrees. That's a high level of freezing that requires a high level kind of equipment for cold storage. After that, they require you to freeze further to negative 18, uh, 18 or 12, if I'm not sure, I'm not wrong about that, when you are shipping the, um, the produce into China. So you really you ask yourself, how much would it take for a farmer or even a farmer group to invest in these terms of uh, $100,000 to get such kind of equipment okay. to export to the market? Mm -hmm. So that's a really kind of a thing we say we have the market, but then do we really meet the standards? All right. Yeah. This uh, a term you've used, thinning. Mm -hmm. What thinning. is thinning? Uh, it's just removing um, part of the outer cover and then freezing the avocado. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, we've talked about uh, farmers coming to groups. Um, do cooperatives help? Is it uh, what you are talking about, or these are exposed groups that you are talking about? Um, to answer that question, now uh, farmers they can group themselves in organization for two things. One is to be able to acquire financial services from the banking system, and secondly to be able to cap the, the foreign markets. Because like I said, it's easier for an organization of farmers to approach a banking system and or approach a foreign market than individual farmers. Um, and so what's part of the thing that we do as uh, Rural Africa Development Agency is to reach out to the farmers in the villages and advise them and give them information about uh, the benefit of them coming together as farmers organization because that will help them now acquire acquire better services in terms of extension and market. Okay. Alex, uh, can we grow avocados everywhere in this country? Is it possible? Uh, if you check the avocado requirement for growth, you realize that uh, part of most part of the country we can grow avocados because we only need to have an attitude of 1,000 to 2,000 uh, height about sea level and uh, a rainfall of about 1,200 mm per year and you realize that most and and let me take you to the requirement that we do require it's uh, we have a soil pH of around 5 to 7 and also some kind of a best soil is sandy loamy soil for avocados and you realize that most part or most regions in the country meet these standards the exceptions come into regions like the coast region and also the northeastern part of part part of Kenya uh, the very best areas, I wouldn't say the not not that the others can't really grow avocados, is uh, the central region and the rift region. Part of eastern Machakos, Kitui is also coming up very well when it comes to the growing of avocados. But the top five counties which are really doing well is around. Uh, we have Moranga, which is the best producers of avocados. We have uh, Kisi is also coming up, and we have 
Kirinyaga, we have Embu. All these counties around the central region are really good areas that avocado can do well. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, for for crops like um, flowers and mm -hmm. spices, and there is a time span that mm -hmm. they need to from harvesting to the time they get to the airport, the, mm -hmm. the cold storage. Mm -hmm. The avocados also need the same. That uh, from the time I harvest my avocados to the mm -hmm. time they get uh, to the airport mm -hmm. or to being flown, is there a time? What what is uh, is there a time requirement? I think you understand. Um, I think I can answer on that because that's part of the thing that we do as a rural Africa Development Agency. So what happens is from harvest. So what we, we advise farmers when they harvest the, the avocado fruits. They put them in some sort of boxes or crates so that now when the avocados are being transported from the farms to the collection point uh, which i'll give examples kakuz which is a very good collection point for avocados the quality still remains so what happens is after those all those avocados they in, in crates or the boxes when they reach the collection point there are things that happens one is cleaning of the avocado and sorting them remember that those avocados once they come from the farm they are already trimmed and well packed so when they already come to the to the collection point uh, we sort them there's a machine that does that and secondly we wash them with chlorine uh, the question will be why do we wash them with chlorine is to make sure that we get rid of the pests and diseases or pathogens that could attack the the avocado fruits and uh, after that, we take these avocados direct to the to the freezers, and so this happened in a span of one week. So in, in the freezers, there are sensors which are fitted there to check the temperatures. So it's just an automated process, and we freeze these avocados up to negative two degrees for one week. After one week, now uh, the question would be, what do we freeze them uh, to up to? Neg negative two degrees it's because these avocados will be shipped by water to foreign countries like europe and they'll t they roughly take one to one and a half months before they get to to the market that way we really ensure that all the avocados they be frozen up to negative two degrees so after all that process we take these avocados direct to the shipment areas and our major shipment area is the uh, is the Mombasa port because that's where that's where all the avocados are shipped, and uh, from there now we ship them uh, for one and a half months to foreign markets. Um, if my if in case avocados are rejected when they get to their destination, what happens? Uh, so what happens? There are insurance agencies that really compensate the the export uh, uh, organization. So that now we make sure that we minimize this on the loss, but there we rarely get losses. We rarely get re reject from foreign markets because before we export these avocados, we really make sure that the quality is really uh, checked on, so that now we can minimize on the losses. Um, I think the only instance that we got a reject was uh, uh, two years ago, whereby uh, a whole shipment was rejected in in Europe. But now, like I said, they are insurance agency, so th they come in place and compensate for the export uh, organization, so that now there are no losses and it's 
such kind of things. Okay. In the flower sector, there's, uh, in case there's a reject, you are charged for disposing. Either you bring it back or you pay for a disposing fee on the other end. Is it the same for, for avocados? I would say avocado is quite different because, um, like I told you, we really try to minimize on the reject. Mm -hmm. That's why we've never had such kind of cases. But in case, like I said, in case we get reject on the other part, the insurance agencies they come into place to compensate. Okay. So the ones that were rejected was compensated. By compensated. Uh, correct. Okay. And what happened to the fruits? Uh, they were disposed on the other. End. Yeah, they, they were disposed on the other end. Okay. Anything you want to add? Uh, to add on something, uh, the government is also coming up in uh, to be really careful because I don't trust whether if you I have sent you a product which is not of standard, you ever buy the product to me again, okay. from me again. That's why you saw like last uh, last year, that was in 2020, we had an avocado ban in November. Why? Because there was a high market, but we didn't have avocados in Kenya. So exporters rushed and picked premature avocados, which affected our market at a very high level. So what the standards uh, and regulators came in with is uh, a ban in November of more around October. They banned uh, for four months that there is no export of avocados to prevent the rushing brokers and other exporters from picking unripe and unmature avocados into the market. So okay. that was kind uh, of help. And that's why you saw like this year we really picked back at a very high rate the first quarter from January because um, when it was about opening from March, we opened for Fuete. And sorry, in February we opened for Fuete variety and in March we opened for Hass variety, which okay. is really doing very well. Okay. Talking yeah. of government, mm -hmm. uh, agriculture is a devolved function. Mm -hmm. Do you think the two, um, uh, the two governments, that is the national government and mm -hmm. the county government, mm -hmm. are doing enough, uh, one, to uh, uh, educate farmers mm -hmm. on what is needed when planting uh, avocados? That's where the gap is. That's where the gap is filled because you realize that there's a lot of overlap of services. We have so many, we have FPIC, we have HDC, we have county government, we have extension agriculture, docketing, county government, so we have the national government also. So there's a lot of overlap of services and this also makes things go slow. And if you realize the biggest problem is knowledge dissemination in this country. If we had a good structure to disseminate information to farmers, we would be very far. Uh, We've always advocated for something uh, we as, as an organization or people who had been who has been to agriculture, something we call a one-stop facility for farmers. You saw what changed with the Huduma Centers, whereby you can get a one-stop facility for the government services. Why can't you do this to farmers and yet we, we farmers are the biggest earners of whatever to the economy? If we can find a structure whereby we having like you say from your county we can even have a county like Moranga having one-stop facilities for farmers where they can get extension services they can get uh, market information they can also market on behalf of farmers that would be a really good thing okay. that because you realize that even in foreign countries last year we went to the United States and we realized that the kind of extension services these guys give to their farmers is at top-notch by entering into a station, you can get all what you want about a plant, all what you want about the export market, all what you want about the regulations. But we don't have these things in our country. So we depend a lot of uh, a lot on media and maybe a little bit of internet and social media, a little bit. And you guys also doing 
good things to educate farmers on the same, but the government really need to up the game on the same. Okay. Yeah, probably to add some few points on what he said, I think uh, the greatest challenge is the devolution dilemma in the sense that you find that agriculture is devolved, but the organization and prastatos are not still devolved. For instance, Kenya Agricultural Research Organization, CARO, it's still under national government, whereas agriculture is devolved. So I think the thing that the, the conversation that should be in place is let's devolve every system of agriculture from organization to parastatus. Like uh, what I saw when I was in Israel, when I was doing my postgraduate diploma in Israel, I found that all the research organizations are devolved and they are to the local farmers in the sense that, for instance, let, let's take one county, Nairobi, Kiambu, Moranga, wherever. So I think what should be happening is they devolve all this function and they make sure that this organization are at the reach of local farmers. They can put it at sub-county levels or county levels to make sure now that the farmers, they can knock the doors to this organization, get the right information and about the production and market. So basically, if we move that conversion from devolving everything, all the organization from the national government to the county government, I think we'll take the conversation forward. Okay. I hope uh, the relevant authorities have heard us yeah. uh, or they'll hear us for, uh, uh, through this conversation. But as we wind up, you guys are young people and we have a lot of young people out there who are complaining that there are no jobs. What advice can you give them as young as young people uh, when it comes to avocado farming? One minute each. Alex. I'll give advice in two ways. To young people who are, don't, uh, who are not having job or opportunities, but everybody's telling young people, can you venture into farming? Farming by what? Production? No. The value chain is long. I have never been to a farm because you don't own a farm. I'm from a, a parent who didn't have a farm, but I'm earning from agriculture. Why? I spotted a gap in the value chain. You don't have to really have a farm for you to be in avocados. You can organize farmers and help them in disseminating, or like you can help in disseminating uh, information and you earn from that. You can help them in seeking market and you earn from that. You can help them in pest control and you earn from that. You don't really need a farm for you to be in farming as a business. Okay. Yeah, that's the biggest thing that people are not yet into it. Okay, well, mm -hmm. I think the advice I can give to our young people out there is there's money in agriculture. Uh, there is a slogan I say there is money in soil. So instead of us complaining every time about the government, let's get our hands in the soil and do farming. Uh, we can do it in farming, in production, or in the value chain, like he said. Uh, and I'll say that the reason why our young people stand at a better position to take our agricultural uh, system forward is because we have new technologies and we also have smartphones we can access the information about production and market easily you'll find that most of the farmers in kenya are they are from age 40s or 50 going up which means that they don't they don't get the information uh through the the smartphones and uh the technology so as young people as long as we can get this information and do it we can get money Agriculture. Okay, thank you very much, gentlemen, for sparing time to have this conversation. Uh, 
for our listeners that is it for this podcast uh, today until next time goodbye